So we're in an ongoing message slash conversation, if you will, about the incredible, beautiful, I mean, eternally awe-inspiring reality that we are made for a relationship with God. That is what life is all about, all day, every day, starting now into all eternity. It's our full-time identity. That God is not a little compartmentalized piece of life where we do a few churchy activities here and there just to check the box to, to be good religious people, and then we move on to the rest of our day, the rest of our week, all the important stuff. That is a completely unbiblical worldview. All things are from him, through him, and to him. In him we live and move and have our being. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I mean, it, life is all about Jesus. If there's one thing the Bible makes clear, it is that life is all about God. It's all about a relationship with God. And so as we are learning as disciples, which is what the word disciple means, just means learner, as we're learning to embrace that full-time identity that, that just God is permeating, desiring to permeate every single aspect of life, we want to respond with that appropriate relational actions. What is, what is God's love language, if you will? <laughs> what is God asking for us on our part as he pursues us, as he initiates with us? We got that Psalm 23, 6, one of our favorite verses. Surely the goodness of the Lord is, the goodness and mercy of the Lord is following me, pursuing me, chasing after me every day of my life. And then we have things like Psalm 27, 8 that say, seek the Lord, you have said to me, God, seek my face, and I say to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Have we made that the commitment of our life? All of that is that kind of full-time mindset that all things are about God. God is about all things. All of life is about God. Another way to say it is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. There you go. There's your life assignment. Another way to say that, like this translation a little bit better, the Passion Translation says, make your life a prayer. Pray without ceasing, pray continually, pray all the time. Those are different versions. And then make your life a prayer. That's what I've been talking about so far, this idea that we are made for a constant connection to God, a relationship with God that doesn't end. It doesn't have these rough starts and stops and, oh, I had this little season I was with God and that was great and then I forgot about him. Or I, I'm with God in this time of the day and not that. And I, I, I do my God stuff and then I go to work. Or I, I play over here with friends and family and then God. Pray unceasingly. Never stop praying. Pray continually. Make your life a prayer. This is about that God's heart is that we would be in constant relationship with him. And we look to a beautiful example, a powerful example, an example worth learning from and imitating last week in Brother Lawrence. And I want to just go back to him real quickly and then really dig into kind of the how-to. So a uh, 17th century uh, monk from France made his life practice about learning how to make our whole life a prayer. As he got, you know, assigned to the dungeon duty of the dishes, essentially, dungeon duty, but it was dishes, 
So he developed this way of digging into Scripture to say, what does it look like to have my whole life be a prayer, my whole life a conversation with God? One of his most famous quotes is this, I make it my business only to persevere, to remain in God's holy presence, wherein I keep myself by a simple attention, a general fond regard to God, which I may call an actual presence of God, or to speak better, a habitual, silent, secret conversation of my soul with God. Or to put, put it extremely simply, he just chose to talk to God about everything. To make his whole life a prayer, he just talked to God about everything. To the degree that he was able and he practiced it, and we'll get into that, it was just fix his heart, his mind, his spirit on God, a simple attention, talk to God about everything. Recognize God's presence, aware, be aware that God is here. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to pray. He wants you to praise him. He wants you to bring your needs. He wants you to bring your gratitude. He wants it all. Maybe the second most uh, important quote in teaching this way of life, he says this, the practice of the presence of God is the most holy, the most all-encompassing, the most necessary practice of the spiritual life. It trains the soul to find its joy in his divine companionship. And at all times and at every moment, it engages the soul in humble and loving communion with God. Communion and companionship with God. That is what life is all about. Jesus himself said it in John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God and the one whom the Father has sent, Jesus Christ. Eternal life. That's all that life is about for all eternity is just to simply be in relationship, communion, companionship, knowing God in increasing measure. And so Brother Lawrence hits the nail on the head is that learning to do this, practicing this, this is the most all-encompassing, most necessary practice of our life. And Brother Lawrence has this incredible testimony that though it was a struggle, though he was mad about his dish assignment, though it was a challenge to practice this presence of God, to train his mind, the result was overflow. He says this towards the end of his book. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice it and experience it. I believe that testimony of this brother in Christ lines up perfectly with Psalm 1611, which says, in your presence, God, is the fullness of joy. To be able to walk in God's presence, to walk with God, to be with God, to experience that, as Brother Lawrence says, there will be nothing more sweet and delightful. That's the fullness of joy. And there's a simplicity, though, about it in Brother Lawrence that is so attractive to me that he doesn't make it overly complicated. I mean, sure, he writes a whole book and he uses a lot of words, but it's a lot of words just coming back, different angles on the same exact idea over and over, which is just make life a prayer. Talk to God about everything. 
practice that connection that we have the privilege to have as his beloved children. One other testimony that he inspires me with is this overflow declaration. As he's developed this connection with God, this is what he has to say about what it's done for his soul. This king, full of mercy and goodness, embraces me with love, makes me eat at his table, serves me with his own hands, gives me the key of his treasures, which, by the way, those four clauses are all Bible verses, embraces me with his love, makes me eat at his table, serves me with his own hands, gives me the key of his treasures, 100% Bible verses. I'll give them to you if you want them. He converses with me, delights himself with me incessantly, another Bible verse, in a thousand and one ways, and he treats me in all respects as his favorite. Now, I don't know if this was kind of subliminally implanted in my mind, but I remember probably, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, this idea, I've mentioned it a number of times now, about God wants to be so personal and powerful and present to you, to you, that it makes you feel like you're his favorite. And I know that's an odd saying at the beginning. Maybe I got it from Brother Lawrence 20 years ago, and it implanted deep in here, and I didn't remember it. But it was fun to reread the book in the last few weeks and be like, whoa, wait, he said it too. And I shared that little scripture last week of how I was walking through the parking lot praying and, and trying to practice this Brother Lawrence thing and asking God a specific question about, am I walking with you? And then closing the hatch of my truck and then seeing that bumper sticker like six inches from my face, you know, the car next to me, walking with Jesus, diehard disciple. And it was so personal. It's like all of God, God has all of his attention on me right now. And I know that's not theologically true because he can physically and, and spiritually and emotionally and in every way needed, he can be everywhere at once. He's omnipresent. But for you, all you have is a, is a personal connection with God. You have a soul and a conscience that's made to connect with God. And the point is, God wants to do that in such a real and deep, personal and powerful way that from the relational side of it, you feel like, man, God's got all his attention on me right now. Because what I'm asking him, he's answering. Where I need provision, he's providing. I'm in conversation with him right now, and he is showing up and showing off that he cares about me and my life, and what matters to me matters to him. My questions matter. My needs matter. My hurts matter. God is responding to me, and when he does that in a way that's so personal, like Brother Lawrence says, he's treating me in all respects as his favorite. God wants you to know him in that way. It's that real. It's that personal. That you're convinced, or you can make a case, if you will, that by the way he's answering prayers and revealing himself and giving you scriptures and giving you promises and bringing those promises to pass, that, that his eyes are on you, that he cares about you, that he's pursuing you, that he's powerful and personal in your life. And he might, you might just be his favorite. 
I love that way of describing our relationship with God. Isn't that so beautiful? That God is that good father, that, that perfect heavenly parent who is desiring to be so present, so real, so powerful that each of us are convinced, man, he's so good to me. I think I'm his favorite. I want to know God in that way. That's an incredibly biblical way. And Brother Lawrence models that. He's a, he's a living example of a testimony as he pursued God. According to his word, he experienced this. So our question for today is really, so how do we grow in making all of life a prayer? That's the biblical phrase on it. The Brother Lawrence phrase is, how do we grow in practicing the presence of God? I'll put it in that 1 Thessalonians 5.17 question. How do we grow in prayer without ceasing or continual prayer, continual conversation with God, making all of life a prayer? So that's what we're going to dig into here with both Scripture and a couple more testimony examples from Brother Lawrence. So Brother Lawrence says this. We already read it today, but I want to focus on two other words we haven't yet so far focused on. As he says, the practice of the presence of God is the most holy, all-encompassing, necessary practice of the spiritual mind. It trains the soul to find its joy in his divine companionship. At all times and every moment, it engages the soul in humble, loving communion with God. So I focused on communion and companionship all of last week and so far today. There's two other words that jump out massively. Practice and training. Practice and training. Do you consider it your holy duty as a disciple of Jesus to train your mind to gaze upon God? Do you consider it your holy duty and great privilege? Because this is where you get, develop that intimacy where you're convinced you're his favorite. So do you take that holy privilege and duty and responsibility to train your mind to be in Constant conversation, connection, communion with God. As followers of Jesus, I believe it's a privilege to have the mindset that, that it is a privilege to be discipled by God. It's a privilege to train our minds. It's a privilege to practice. Training and practice are good things as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, Doing a Greek study this week on the word disciple, it was, it was a fun one. The word discipline and disciple obviously have the same root in, in, in the, uh, that would be the Latin from where we get it, right? There's multiple different words in the Greek, but one of the ones, like for example, where Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, as he knocks on the door and says, you know, I'm here every day, Christians, beloved, you know, daughters and sons, this is to the church, and you open the door, we'll come in, we'll have a meal together, that's communion, that's companionship, that's friendship, that's fellowship. It's about that ongoing picture of being in a relationship with God that is unbroken, increasing. And right in that same exact passage, Jesus says, those whom I love, I discipline, I reprove, and I discipline. And the root of that word discipline is pata, like 
P-A-E-D, like pedagogy for those who are teachers, like that's the t- training of children. And I was like, oh my gosh, Star Wars had it right. You become a Padawan in the force. It's the exact same root word of when Jesus says, I'm going to train you. Or Titus chapter 2 says that the grace of God came to, to Padawan us, to pedeus us or pedote us, whatever it is. It's the same exact word. It means to train us in his ways. And it's literally the same exact like sense of Padawaning us. We as followers of Jesus have the great privilege to be Padawaned by God, to be trained, to be discipled in the ways of the kingdom. And so training and practice is our great privilege as followers, as Padawans, as disciples of God. As we follow him, he's wanting us to take on that mantle that we are Padawans of him, that we are going to go through training and practice. We're going to learn new things, and we're going to have skills that are being taught to us that then on our part, we get to put them into practice. And that's one of the things that Brother Lawrence highlights over and over as, as he saw this vision from God's word that God's heart for us is that we would have this deep communion with God. He then went into a healthy biblical mindset and then said, okay, God, What's my part in the relationship? What skills are you telling me that I need to take responsibility for to practice and train in order to do my part in the relationship? Luke 6.40 says it like this. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. I mean, back to the Star Wars analogy, that's an exact picture. I mean, Every martial arts system, every you know, military system, every apprenticeship in, in a work setting is this right here. You have a master, a, a trainer who knows more than you, and their goal is to pass on everything they have to fully train you so that you can be like the teacher, and then you can pass it on to others. Jesus says it right here. Everyone, when he's fully trained, will become like the master. And then you get to pass it on to others. And so I, I believe it's healthy for us to take this, this Padawan mindset, this training mindset that we have the privilege, God's heart is for us to engage, to be fully trained. And he's going to show us the skills, but we've got to choose to practice. That's why Brother Lawrence says it's through practicing and training that he got to that place that his conversation with God was so sweet he had to outwardly control himself so that he didn't look like a fool in the kitchen, like he'd lost his mind because he had so much joy in that conversation with God. And I would argue that that 1 Thessalonians 5.17 passage, pray without ceasing, That's a call for training and practice. Pray without ceasing. That word pray is is in the imperative tense. It's a command. It's an action step on our part. We can choose to practice praying without ceasing. Or we can choose to ignore that command. If we choose not to ignore it, then what are we doing? We're practicing. I'm going to practice 
praying without ceasing. Am I going to get it right? No, I'm not. I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to, at times, choose in a way to, like, say, no, thanks, God, I've got this one covered. Or it might just be habit where I go into this part of life or this part of life and I just forget about God or I do it on my own strength or sometimes we don't want God there. Whatever it may be, we're not. No one is going to follow that command perfectly. It's practice. We respond to the commands of God with practice, not perfection. So this is clearly a call. Make your life a prayer. Who does that? God or you? Make your life a prayer. That's on you. Are you going to choose to say, I want to practice that? Wow, that's amazing that I can make my life a prayer, that God wants my life to be a prayer. Now, is his grace going to be there with you? Absolutely. Are you doing this on your own strength? No. But do you need to decide that you want to engage in this way and say, yes, Lord, help me practice this? Yes, Lord, train me in this? Absolutely. We see the same exact thing specifically about training our mind towards prayer when 2 Corinthians 2.5, Paul says, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive to make it obedience to Christ. Who takes every thought captive? God? No. You and me. We practice taking every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. It's practice. It's training. We're training our minds. And it's, it's, it's very intentional. It's even aggressive in Paul's analogy here. The take captive, I mean, this is, this is warfare. This is prisoner of war language. You are going to take a captive. You are going to assert power to influence. And then it says to make it obedience. That's putting someone in a state of, sub, of submission to obedience. So... If you're a wrestling fan or an MMA fan, this is your day, brother or sister. This is your analogy. It's you are taking an aggressive position to bring your thoughts into a submission till they say, okay, okay, fine, I'll listen. Like they're, they're tapping out. You are to be aggressive in asserting your power towards your thoughts to change them, to get them to give up and be like, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'll give up. Christ-like thoughts, okay, you can win. You see what he's saying? He's saying anything in your mind that does not honor Christ, your job, not God's, your job is to take it captive, make it obedient. That's a power God's given you. Now his grace is going to be there. Don't get me wrong for half a second. It's God's supernatural grace with you partnering with you as you partner with him to say, yes, I am not okay with the status quo of a bunch of filth filling my mind or a bunch of distractions filling my mind or a bunch of checks mix filling my mind when I'm made for the prime rib of his presence. Whatever it is that's not putting Christ on the throne, I want to learn, God, to train my mind to see those thoughts, to feel them, to be aware of them, and then do what you say, which is get aggressive with them, saying you are trespassing on holy territory right now. You are trespassing on the renewed mind of Christ right now. You are trespassing on Christ being my, my thought, my prayer, my devotion, my affection, my simple gaze, and I have the authority of heaven to say 
I'm taking you down and wrestling you until submission, until you say, okay, fine, I'm leaving. Let Christ be king. That's the picture. So this is our practice in the relationship. Do we want to? Are we choosing to? Are we taking that role of a Padawan that says, I need to do my part in the training? So that continuous conversation through discipline begins to take place more and more. And we're going to stumble along the way. We'll get to a Brother Lawrence example in a moment. But before we get there, one more piece of vision, because I'm always <laughs> encouraged by vision, especially when I know I'm going to stumble and I'm not going to get there and, you know, tomorrow or, or today or tomorrow or the next day. It's about a process. The act itself, the goal itself of choosing to train your mind to be in more regular conversation and communion with God, that is worship. The choice to get in the battle is worship. Brother Lawrence makes a great quote on that. Actually, from one of his friends who he had a conversation with, Mr. Buford, translates it like this. Brother Lawrence told me, so he's kind of summarizing his understanding of this whole practicing of the presence of God thing. Brother Lawrence told me that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. Now this is, listen, this is interesting. It was a shameful thing to quit conversation with God to think of trifles and fooleries. Now, we're not big on the shame here, so I don't like that word shameful. But talking about the goal of training our minds to just be in constant conversation with God, that's worship. When you compare it with your other options, you can see how it's worship. Because it's like, who has your affections? Who has your devotions? Who has your thoughts? And I wouldn't prefer the word shame to be upon me when I don't, but it's definitely like, that's the biblical definition of sin, hamartia, and again, not shame, but what is that word? Missing the mark. That's what the word literally means. It's an archery term. You shot and you missed. You aimed maybe for the wrong thing. You missed the bullseye. And so that's an appropriate picture here. We certainly miss the bullseye when we quit conversation with God to think of trifles and fooleries. I don't even know what that means, but I know what it means. Trifles and fooleries, things of less value than God. And he goes on to say, rather we should, Brother Lawrence taught me that we should feed and nourish our souls with the high concepts of God, which will yield us great joy in being devoted to him. We ought to enliven our faith. It was lamentable that we had so little and that instead of taking faith for the rule of our conduct, men amused themselves with trivial devotions which changed daily. So there's just a few phrases there. Trivial devotions, trifles, frivolities, things of lesser value, or taking every thought captive into submission to Christ as Lord. In a sense, we all make that choice every day. 
where are we fighting? Where are we training? Where are we practicing to put our focus? And it does come down to, that's worship. What or who has our, our daily affection, our daily efforts, our daily attention? What is worthy of that? Worship. And Brother Lawrence gives a healthy challenge. Are we settling for the, the trivials, the trifles, the fooleries? Or are we aiming high to the glory of God, to everything being brought under submission to Christ? To me, that's a noble pursuit. The pursuit itself is worship. Because that's all we have. That's all we have to give to God is our yes, is our sacrifice of praise, is to say, yes, I'm going to partner with you, Lord, to desire to have my mind trained and renewed and retrained to remove every thought that doesn't put Christ as Lord. Because I value you highest, I'm going to make that my goal, and that goal is worship because you're covered by grace in your failures. Did anybody catch that last line? The goal itself is worship because we're covered by grace in our failures. We're gonna stumble and fall. Nobody's gonna walk out of here, even with the best intentions, and put this to practice perfectly, where you just have this unbroken connection and communion and companionship with God all day for the rest of the day and tomorrow. No, we're not there yet. One degree of glory to another. And in the midst of the stumbling and the falling and the challenge and the trial of it, as our mind is renewed and purified and renewed again, there's grace. Brother Lawrence said it like this. I found no small pain in this exercise. So in other words, <laughs> this is hard. Because once you go down this journey, you realize how distracted you live and how many other thoughts come in and how much time you spent thinking about things that are, maybe they're on the, the, the end of the spectrum that they're just straight up junk and darkness, or maybe it's just that they're trivialties. They're frivolities and trivialties. They're fluff. They're trifles. So that's what he says. He admits. He's like, man, this was hard. I found no small pain in this exercise, in this practice. Yet I continued with it, not standing, all of the difficulties that occurred. And that right there to me is a beautiful paddle on mindset. That's a discipleship mindset of when I know the goal that God has clearly set before me, I persevere in the goal even when it gets hard. Just because it's hard doesn't mean I quit. That should be out of my mind. In fact, I should expect that it's going to be challenging. If Jesus himself said, I'm going to have to die to myself to learn to walk in the abundant life, let's back that way up and say, it's going to be challenging sometimes. Way before death. <laughs> and so, Brother Lawrence has the right mindset. I continued even when it was difficult. I didn't just say, hey, that was a nice sermon. I'm going to try it once. And oh, well, I got distracted after three minutes. Oh, well. If this is a biblical goal, then it's worth this mindset that says, 
I continued, notwithstanding all of the difficulties that occurred, without troubling or disquieting myself when my mind wandered involuntarily. I made this my business as much all the day long as the appointed times of prayer. At all times, at every hour, every minute, even in the height of my busyness, his goal, he's saying, I drove away from my mind everything that was capable of interrupting my thought of God. Beautiful, honest, raw testimony. It's going to take effort and focus. It's going to be hard at times. It's we are all going to stumble and be like, man, this is hard right now. My mind just won't cooperate with me. It's going to take an intentional training of the mind, and there is plenty of grace along the journey. One more quote from Brother Lawrence as he encountered that grace. He says this, When my mind wandered, I simply besought his pardon, and without losing heart, I set my spirit right, returned anew unto his presence, as though I had never wandered from him. Thus, by rising after every fall, and by doing it all in faith and love, without worrying, I have now come to a state in which it would be as little possible for me to not think of God as it was hard to discipline myself thereto at the beginning. So again, he confesses that it was hard to discipline himself to do this, but when he did, he basked in God's grace. He just sought his pardon, got right back up, I'm covered by grace. Thank you, Lord. This is not about my performance. This is not about me earning your love. I am covered in your love. My identity is secure. And this is just me about being that Padawan, training my mind, renewing my mind, stepping into the grace that's available to me to have my mind renewed so that I don't have to live distracted and disquieted and worrying and focused on all sorts of trivialties and trifles and things less glorious than a regular communion with you. So by your grace, I keep walking. I take another step. I get back up. I want to close here on a thought. Oh, that's, that's dangerous. The clock has disappeared. <laughs> what is, is that a sign from you, Lord? <laughs> it's just, it's, I'll take it as a sign from you, Lord. What is it? It's 11.06? That is way too late. I'm dangerous without a clock. Okay, we're closing up. The single most practical way to train our mind toward continuous prayer that I can find in Brother Lawrence's writings is this right here. The single most practical way to train our mind. We should commit ourselves unceasingly to this one goal, that everything we do be little acts of communion with God. Everything we do, here's us putting it into practice. This is our training, that we're learning to everything we do, 
we see them. We see like the spiritual potential in them, the, the spiritual pregnancy, if you will, that if I can train my mind, everything I do can be a little conduit of his presence, a little act of connecting me to God. That's a very biblical concept. 1 Corinthians 10.31, which is a good one to write down that I didn't put in there, but it's permeating this whole message. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Or Colossians 3.17 is another one along that same exact mindset. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. So everything that you're doing, word or deed, that's everything, by the way. Everything is a school word in the Greek. It means everything, everything you do. So no part of your life is, is excluded from where God wants Christ to reign on the throne. Everything you do, whether it's word or deed, whether you're eating or drinking, everything you do, you do it with thanksgiving, meaning it's connected to God. You're thinking about God. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. And it's in the name of Jesus, meaning you are seeing the lordship of Jesus all over it. In the name of Jesus. That's ambassador language, where if you, when we, the idea, when we pray, in the name of Jesus, we're supposed, that's the idea, it can become religious, right? In Jesus' name, amen. But the picture, the biblical picture is we're saying that this is, everything we're praying is coming under the name, the lordship, the reign of King Jesus, and we get to go in the name of Jesus. We get to be representatives of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus is saying, take everything that you do and you give thanks while you're doing it, whether it's word or deed or everything you do, and you're finding those ways to see it all under the lordship of Jesus. So coming back to this little phrase from Brother Lawrence, I'm trying to weave between Biblical worldview and living testimony from a brother. So there's the biblical worldview of it, and I think his living testimony is spot on of what does that look like in practical life? Everything we do, see them as little acts of communion with God. So it could be a simple recognition as we're walking throughout the day of our dependence on God. I'm just going to acknowledge right now, God, you're here, you're with me, I need you. I mean, wake up in the morning. I've practiced this prayer many, many times. Wake up in the morning. Morning, Lord. Thank you. I love you. I need you. Bless you. Like, just trying to put my heart in, in you know, you can throw the whole kitchen sink. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what's going to help me connect with God right now. Throw it all at him. There's all sorts of biblical. Forgive me, Lord. I need you. I want more of you. I'm seeking you today. Thank you for everything. I praise you for your goodness. I mean, it's, it's just everything. Throughout the day, there's opportunities in these little acts of communion. Do you feel your need for him? Acknowledge it. Are you feeling weak? Acknowledge it. Are you recognizing that your fruit isn't where the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit should be? Bring it to God. Talk to God about everything. It can be the confession of sin. When you know you've messed up, that's very biblical. Confess your sin and receive that forgiveness. That's a, that's a powerful way to come right back into the presence of God and in a way you've never even left, but to recognize that you're covered by the blood of Jesus and you're receiving forgiveness, that is a, 
incredibly powerful connection and communion or to in that receive afresh your identity as a beloved son to wake up in the morning and recognize that you're a beloved daughter thank you god that you've lavished your love upon me and we have the privilege to be called children of god that's first john 3 1 thank you god that you see me this morning as i wake up covered by your blood and just a beloved son i don't need to do anything to perform today you're chasing me with your goodness thank you lord giving thanks, pondering a scripture, praise and adoration, a declaration of faith, just talking to him about your day. That list that I just ran off, that's at the end of your lift notes. All sorts of different ways that live out this simple idea. Are we living with that radar to make everything little acts of communion with God? Knowing he wants to commune with us. Are we seeing an increasing opportunity in our life in many different areas to say, oh, there's an opportunity to connect with God, just to thank him for that. Oh, there's an opportunity to God, just to praise him for that. Oh, there's an opportunity, I recognize my need right now. Oh, there's an opportunity, I need help. Oh, there's an opportunity, I'm just going to bask in my identity. Oh, there's an opportunity, I can thank him for this promise that I just saw come to pass. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Life is full of the opportunities to have those little communions with him. Little connections, acts of communion with God. So I'm going to pause there, have my wife close us with a thought and a blessing, and we'll be on our way. We actually um, didn't talk this week about the message, and I think it's really funny because the Holy Spirit was driving home all of this um, just very personally for me, leading me and teaching me. You know, even last night and the night before where I'm just like, my mind is going off to different places, different, conversa different conversations that I've had, and Pax and I have had these discussions. He's in Taekwondo now. Um, just how, um, you know, being a disciple, back in the day when Jesus used that word, it was, um, there, it, there's a lost art that we are really not acquainted with so much in America as we all go off and do our own thing. I would say the Star Wars Jedi are a very, um, very good example, you know, of that. Um, but it really is a, a lost art and, um, he wants a devotion from us, as Casey was saying, where, you know, like that, uh, the Bible verse, the kingdom of God is, um, you know, like, like a treasure. It's, um, it's like it, it hidden in a field where you sell everything you have. And um, I just want to encourage us to just continually be pressing into the Lord to renew our minds and to light in us a passion for his presence and a pursuit of his presence that worships him and honor, honors him. It's a continual pursuit. This is really a lost art. Being a disciple, as Jesus commands us multiple times, in the New Testament, the commands from his mouth, from his very lips, 
it is truly a lost art. And this morning when I woke up, I felt like the Lord was driving that home even more for me. And he said, a one-track mind. I want you to have a one-track mind. And so I just want to encourage us, as Casey was saying, with the there's grace. You know, my mind, you know, as I've been honing in on this, I'm like, my mind, it's like popcorn. It's like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, and they're not like bad thoughts. It's actually like, you know, conversations that I had and thinking about this. And, you know, sometimes it's worry. And worry really is worshiping the problem. You know, worry is, you know, looking at how big the giant is instead of putting my eyes on Jesus. And he's like, you're a giant slayer. Say my name. Declare my deeds. You know, like Daniel did. He said, the God who delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion will, him, will himself deliver me from this Philistine. So, you know, I feel like my marbles have been all over the place as I've been really honing in on this practice. I'm trying to live this out in, in every area where in every area is worship. Um, yeah, and I just want to encourage us to just grab one another's hands in grace. You know, I'm um, living in a great account. We can live in great accountability with one another. I know, um, you know, I have some really good friends, and I'm thinking about, hey, let's be accountable to one another to even have a list of declarations, verses that we're saying daily as reminders, because it feels like there's so many things that we need to be doing, and sometimes it just, life gets so busy, and you kind of lose it all. Um, but anyways, back to the point. A one-track mind, that's what he wants for us, and being a disciple is truly a lost art. So let's be pressing into him to show us what it means to be a true disciple, and he's going to take it to the next level. Sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance. Now. 